the XC's Top 5 podcast. And last week in June 2020, in our first iteration of the Top 5 in feels like a decade, guys. Uh, we said we would be back soon. We were back sooner than later even. I, I thought this would be a couple weeks before we could scrounge up some juicy morsels to talk about in five little chunks. Uh, and lo and behold, just a few days later, a lot happened. A lot's happening in the running world. Of course, not races, but uh, we've got five stories to talk about. Alex Sear, you're in uh, the land of Anna Green Gables, Prince Edward Island still. How are you doing? I'm doing well, but it's not the land of Anna Green Gables this year. They had to cancel for the first time in 65 years. It's a it's a tough summer. It's what? It, yes, Anna Green Gables was that. the longest standing theatrical performance, um, I think, in the world. 65 straight years, and this year it killed it. Eat your heart out, Shakespeare. I just saw Anne with an E, I think just came out on Netflix. So maybe that's to make up for it. Oh, yeah. Strategic. I think that was getting canceled too by, I think by CBC. Oh, those bastards. Yeah. It's been a rough year for Anne. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> let's just, let's just flip this into an Anne of Green Gables pod. I'm fascinated. Um, fun fact. Lucy Maud Montgomery, that's her name, the the author of Anne of Green Gables. Yeah. Yep. Her, her home is uh, not far from my remote location in uh, somewhere in rural Ontario. Her oh. her home, I mean, in that whatever nineteenth century, she she's long dead. Uh, oh. R.I.P. Lucy Maud. Uh, Andrew Crookshank, still in Ottawa, our nation's capital. How are you doing? Yeah, me and Trudeau <laughs> at the cottage. Not really. You're walking out every morning and you're making your public address. Addressing the press, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, thinking of making the move back to Toronto, though, soon. So we'll, we'll see what happens. All right, so we've got five things. We're going to talk about massive races not happening, some weird races threatening to still happen inexplicably uh a strange uh track record that mo Farah is going to go after uh in the near future so let's start off with topic number one the new york city marathon its 50th anniversary the 2020 new york city marathon the biggest marathon in the world is canceled uh they decided to formally pull the plug after uh many weeks months now of questioning whether or not it was going to happen, how it would happen. It was scheduled for the first Sunday in November. It is no longer happening in 2020, at least not the literal race uh, in New York City itself through the five boroughs. Andrew, it's it's an obvious question, but uh, why did they decide to cancel and why did, they decide to, why did they decide to cancel now at the end of June? Well, it just seems like a very New York thing. I, I know they were, were discussing uh, putting in a virtual race, but um, I, I don't know why. It's just the, the New York personality to me. Just cut things off, cut it off at the head, and just say, screw you guys. I kind of like it. I kind of respect it, to be honest. Um, obviously, though, it's, it's with the threat of COVID. I mean, New York was, has been one of the worst-hit metropolises in, in the world. Um, it's also one of the most populous populous 
places in the world. So it's, it's a big risk, especially when you have like 45% of the racers uh, who typically run New York are international. Um, and this year there are supposed to be 53,000 plus runners, I believe. Uh, it's the 50th anniversary. So it was going to be a big year. Um, but I just think it would pose too big of a risk if all those people came, like, how do you social distance that? Not to mention right now, the, the governors of Connecticut, uh, New York and New Jersey have <laughs> announced that they're not anyone from one of the other states, like within the United States itself, that has a high percentage of COVID cases. If someone comes from one of those states to say New York, they have to self-isolate for 14 days. So even other Americans right now, they're being cautious about, let alone people from, from other countries. So it, it seems like the right call to, to cancel it. Alex, uh, New York has been canceled once before in the last uh, number of years. In 2012, it was canceled. Um, do you think that they learned their lesson from 2012? 2012 was a very different experience. Yeah, I, I think they did. I mean, that's already eight years ago. It, it feels like it was it was not that long ago, but they had to cancel because of a hurricane. And I know that they left it until the last minute. So it created a bit of a weird situation and people were coming into New York from all over the place, kind of wondering if the race would even happen or what the conditions would be like. And then right by the end, by the time everyone was already in town, then they canceled. And, you know, that, that caused a lot of strain between the city of New York and the marathon. And it was a pretty bad situation for a lot of people. You were there, Michael, you were racing, weren't you? Yeah, I was, I was, uh, I was there mostly as just a, a runner and not a, a journalist, although I did find myself doing some journalism things when it got canceled. Uh, and yeah, I mean, I was, I was on the expo floor Friday evening, picking up my race kit. I had the bib. I was going to get the shirt. Uh, the person who was supposed to give me the shirt pulled it away. All of a sudden I said, can I have my shirt please? And they said, no, we're, we've been told we, can't give anybody a shirt now. And then things got super weird. My phone, my phone blew up. People were asking me what I'd been hearing and whether or not the race had been formally canceled. And then within like a half an hour, the, the race director of the time, Mary Wittenberg um, gave this tearful address with uh, the Michael Bloomberg. The mayor was next to her at that point. He was the mayor at that time. And, you know, they'd made a huge mistake. Uh, they tried to push this thing through it's a massive revenue generator. It was like, I think it makes a couple hundred million dollars for uh, the city in, in one wow. weekend's time. It's nuts how much money it generates. Uh, and they just made, they'd made a, a really poor calculation. You know, people were suffering at that point. Uh, people in areas like Staten Island, where the race starts, uh, were hit pretty hard by the hurricane. So, you know, I, I think they learned a huge lesson in 2012 on how not to handle a crisis. And this is the world's largest crisis in, you know, certainly our lifetime. So uh, I think they're doing the right thing, I think here. You know what I'm curious about though, does this mean that there's a very small percentage of people out there who have a 2012 New York city marathon shirt? Yes. And I'm one, I'm one of them. I'm one of them actually, because the person ended up giving it to me. Like they were uh -huh. like, I was like, the race is canceled, isn't it? And I, I can't remember if it was a guy or a girl. They kind of looked at me and they were just sort of like, they didn't say anything. And then 
they just gave me the shirt and said, don't tell anyone I gave this to you. (laughs) (laughs) So I actually have one, although I feel super weird wearing it. I don't know if I've ever worn it before. Uh, Bad luck to wear a shirt of a race you didn't finish. I have a lot of those. Uh, I've got a few Boston Marathon uh, finisher shirts and I didn't even start the race. So Uh, anyway, yeah, I I think that... um, be interesting to hear in July what they've got planned for a virtual New York. I'm not a huge fan of the idea of like selling off a coveted finishers medal uh, in a virtual race. I don't, I personally don't feel strongly. I don't feel good about Boston doing the virtual race and giving you the medal. I, I just don't think that's cool. I'm a purist that way, even though I don't really care about medals. I, I still think it's a bit tacky to sell off your, your medal. If you're a, a, a race that has a desirable trinket or talisman. So, uh, yeah, you guys, what do you, what would you guys do? Would, would you, would you virtually run New York if you were training for New York this year, or would you just defer to 2021, 2022 or 2023? Depends what kind of fitness I'm in. I think if I'm fit, so if you do a virtual race, your time is going to be somewhat official, I guess. Right. Because it's in some sort of database. I guess it's just, as if you upload it'll be it'll be on their the new york roadrunners site i'm sure if i'm really fit yeah i'd do it and if not i would defer i think that would be the deciding factor not to kind of sorry go on i think i'd defer yeah i I don't understand this like i mean i admit i am getting a little antsy kind of being stuck in, in a house all day but I don't quite understand this like need to, Oh, something opens up. I have to jump on it. We have to do it now. Yeah. Thing like, why can't you, I mean, I guess there's, yeah, the issues of, of fitness. What if you get injured the next year, if you're in great shape this year, you might as well do it. But for me, it's if it's like, if you're in the shape of your life and the training's been going well, and especially for a marathon, it's hard to nail, right? It's hard to get to that point where, you know, you can PB like if you're in that situation, I think for sure I'd do it. Also, for me, see, I'm not really someone who cares about the, well, actually I was going to say the medals, but I guess you would get a medal anyway. Um, but I would care more about the time I think than just the experience and the ability to say that I finished it on the day with everyone else. Um, but I guess that's different for everyone, but yeah, I think I do it. So I've run New York before I, I did end up running it in 2017. Um, on a media pass, I, I, I did it as a, journalist and did a whole bunch of live social media hits uh on the course which was actually super fun and it's i think the best marathon in the world i think it was the best marathon experience i've ever had even though i wasn't running it in a competitive capacity i wasn't going for for a good time or whatever but i just thought it was extraordinary it was just such a wowing event zero percent chance you could run that event in a socially distanced way zero percent chance you could create a safe environment for the like million literally million plus people that come out along the course every single foot of that course is filled in with at least one body deep one row or two rows or three rows in some cases like six seven rows deep of people not possible to do this race safely. Totally the right move by the New York City road by the New York City by New York City and the New York City Roadrunners. A little disappointing though that they're not hosting any form of elite race. I mean, I understand that they said like we don't know if we'll be able to even get high quality international runners in if we even hosted an elite race. But I said in that previous podcast we did that I thought it'd be super cool to to run an old school version in New York in Central Park 
and uh, just do loops of Central Park and, you know, bring in 20, 30 top flight runners and just like have a good, have a good time with it and have created like a cool spectacle. But I guess that, I guess that's not, not something they can, they can scheme for if they don't know if travel is going to be okay in November or not. Yeah. I was going to say the travel would be the, the real barrier. Hmm. All right. I mean, let's move on. The Berlin Marathon, annually the fastest race in the world, the fastest marathon in the world. Uh, it's where the official marathon world records often get set or most recently set. Uh, it has also been canceled. Uh, Andrew, tell us a little bit about this decision as well. So it was supposed to take place on September 27th, but I feel like this one we've been able to call from a ways back because uh, whether it was Germany as a whole, or at least it might've just have been in the city of Berlin, they, uh, they banned large gatherings um, early on in the pandemic. And they, they were saying that this was going to last until September and cover the, the marathon. So, so we knew this one was coming. Um, And again, it seems like, like kind of a good call. Um, unfortunate especially since it is such a fast course and, and as you said with the new york one it would have been kind of nice to see them get some elites out there and, and try and run a fast race on it but but maybe for the best alex uh so berlin is canceled uh, what do we have left in front of us that is still up in the air well we have a belt of good races uh one week apart all in october so Barring any cancellations, you got London on October 4th, Chicago on October 11th, and Paris on October 18th, and we still know super little. So I guess Paris kind of crowdsourced its runners and sent an email kind of asking, like, what do you guys think? Should we run or should we do a refund? And uh, yeah, we don't really know much more. Looks like Boston kind of did the same thing before deciding to go virtual. And I guess they found out that a lot of runners didn't want to line up. So that's what got them to go back. I don't know. I feel like it's going to be some sort of an all or nothing um, thing. And if New York is done and if Berlin is done, I just kind of can't see London, Chicago and Paris happening. Um, Looks like things have been going a bit better on the COVID side of things for London, but yeah, as we've uh, seen so far, it's going to take a lot more than just numbers. There's a lot of logistical problems with having races this year. So we're still on standby right now. I don't know. What do you guys think? If one of those races is to happen, which one would you pick? I could see Paris. I don't know why. I could just Take see it and going. Yeah. I, I got, here's a little, here's a little like belated uh, Intel. I can slide in here from, uh, from the uh, Ineos uh, breaking two iteration last, was it last year? Last year, uh, where Kipchoge oh, right. went under two hours. That was initially supposed to happen in London. And it happened in Vienna in the end. And the idea was they were going to take, I think, a couple of K chunk um, in London, of the London Marathon and run the race in London. And they ended up, for whatever reason, I actually don't know why I should inquire as to why but for whatever reason the london marathon organizers who were apparently involved initially uh didn't end up getting the race to happen there so uh i wonder if kipchoge and bekele that was supposed to be the big showdown like the great like the goat race the greatest two greatest marathon runners of all time 
were going to go head to head in their prime for to to to, to you know uh, prove who is the most supreme of supreme marathon runners. I'd love to still see that happen, even if the whole London the the larger race doesn't happen. I'd love to see some sort of novelty heavyweight bout happen in London. But I wonder if that can even happen. Because, I mean, from my understanding, Kipchoge's in Kenya and Bekele is for sure in Ethiopia. And I don't know what the travel situation will be like for them uh, at, when when the time comes. So, But, uh, yeah. So, oh, one last little bit of information. is Somebody sent me the email, the cancellation email from Berlin. And in the fine print, when you agree to, I guess, defer to next year, it says that if you defer, you are agreeing that the company SCC Events that owns Berlin uh, then has the right to totally change the game and not pay and not pay you back, uh, not give you a refund if they decide to, if they cancel the event in 2021 or if they alter the event in 2021. So if they are told they can only say have 5,000 runners instead of 30,000 runners, they will then do a, a lottery, a raffle for those 5,000 spots. And if you don't get in, you don't get your money back. Too bad for you. And then they also uh, define very clearly what force majeure is. And so if there's, they've got a force majeure clause that they're basically, uh, that insurance companies use to not pay out insurance claims, they're passing it along to you, the runner. And they say force majeure includes war, warlike conditions, riots, strikes, lawful lockouts, lack of energy or raw materials, revolution, rebellion. What's the difference between the two? Okay. Uh, military or civil coup, terror, reactor accidents, riots, embargo, epidemics, pandemics, such as COVID-19, fire, hurricane, or other storms on the scale of a catastrophe, as well as natural events, such as earthquakes and landslides. So they got that it all covered. Everything. Yeah. You need a lawyer to go over that with you, though go through some of those definitions. I agree with you. What's, what's the difference between a revolt and a rebellion is a rebellion, just like James Dean type showing up and saying, screw you guys. Is it one, <laughs> one man rebellion or it's like what constitutes that? Like dudes with chains and, and bats at yeah, the start line. I don't know. Big bogs. <laughs> All right. So that, so Berlin's not happening uh, on to topic number three. So there are races that are going to happen, apparently. Uh, two races in particular uh, announced this week that they are going to march forward to hell with COVID, they say. We're going to make this happen. We can do it safely. Let's let's see if this actually pans out. What are What is the first race, a German race, Alex? All right. So one of them is actually happening 300 kilometers just about northwest of Berlin and it's the Haspa Marathon in Hamburg. So this one was supposed to happen on April 19th and now the new date is their tentative date is October 24th and they've announced the organizers have announced that they are agreeing to implement a rigorous anti-COVID-19 hygiene plan which I guess would include uh, starting in batches of 1,000 and it's starting in groups of roughly 10-minute intervals. And here we're talking about 10,000 runners plus an additional 4,000 uh, because it's, there's also a half marathon. So this is a lot of people. This is a really big gathering. Um, 
and yeah, this is this is I think it's gonna work as some sort of a test run to see if if we can have big events. Like, you gotta question this. By the time October comes around, how many ten thousand people events will we have had in the world since the start of COVID? None. I, I don't imagine. Yeah. So this is going to be like, this is going to be a real test on a lot of levels and they're, they're, they're putting a lot at stake, but I would always say when, when I get into the conversations about big races starting up again, my point was always, there's not going to be someone, there's not going to be a race organizer who wants to be the first to have a race going because of the liability issues. Well, here we go. I guess Haspa's the one we'll see what happens. Maybe this is breaking the ice, but I just hope it's not too destructive. I think, Andrew, the big question with this is, something just came to mind as Alex was, was talking about this is, okay, so you're going to do like 10 rounds of 1,000 people. 1,000 people, first of all, is still a lot of people to jam into a corral. Uh, even if, even if say, you take the a 10,000-person corral and make it a 1,000-person corral, it's still a lot of people in a relatively small space. And then secondarily, like, what's your plan for moving each of those 1,000-person groups through like where is the staging area how do you make sure that you know thousands of people aren't congregating in a park or whatever close to the start line before the race to me it just sounds like it's going to be chaos yeah i think in that article it said something about like the runners would be grouped beforehand in in the expo hall like organized again but it didn't give a number so so again you're being like put together with a random group of people before you're let out to the start line, I think. So still kind of sketchy and not to mention when you get into issues, like how do you do water stations and, and volunteers and, and all that kind of stuff. So Andrew, there's another race uh, here in North America that is uh, said that it's going to happen a little sooner even. Uh, and that's in uh, the Fargo marathon. Oh yeah, home of the uh, the Cohen brothers. That's Coen all I brothers think about. Movie. Yeah, yeah, it's really really painted Fargo, hasn't it? It's all anyone thinks about, I think. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's it's a smaller race, kind of similar to Hamburg, actually. It's uh, normally just under ten thousand competitors, um, but they're they're going ahead and they're going even earlier. They're going to go um, supposedly the last week of August, like the 24th through the 29th is when it's supposed to take place. So we were kind of talking about this beforehand, but wondering if that's like, like an attempt to squeeze it in before the potential second wave or, or whether they think that things will just have, have calmed down by then. But it, it seems a little ballsy considering how, how things are going in the States. Although I don't think North Dakota's too bad right now. It's, it's a lot of the Southern States that seem to be, still pretty rough like florida uh, yeah. and that north dakota is uh, a, a famously uh less populous state and i just look quickly pulled up the numbers there they've had four thousand positive cases since the beginning of the pandemic uh including uh 78 total deaths confirmed deaths from covid19 in that state and they are still they still have uh, positive tests come back every day. I think it was around 25 today. Uh, but that's obviously an extremely low number by comparison to places like Texas and Florida, which are being hit really hard right now with thousands of positive tests every day. So, yeah. 
the one thing I, I love about this, this is though, in the kind of the press release about it, it says um, the race won't involve the Fargo Dome this year though, which, which includes amenities such as shower stations. Devastating. So, yeah, no Fargo Dome this year. I would love to see what the, the Fargo Dome looks like. I've seen a picture actually. I saw a picture of the finish line. I was curious. It sort of looks like a kind of mid-level, uh, like a minor, a minor league hockey team uh, stadium, like one of those, um, you know, one of those sort of like eight to ten thousand person stadiums, like an AHL uh, not, rink. So mm. not like the Thunderdome. No, not like <laughs> the Thunderdome. Uh, not a. It's not a grand eighty thousand person. Uh, football palace it's it's a pretty small spot from what i could tell from the picture maybe i'm wrong i don't know but uh yeah so it's not finishing at this indoor uh stadium uh which is probably a good idea i just guys would you would you do a marathon would you would you run the fargo marathon say you're like training your training is going pretty well uh you're itching to run a marathon you i don't know you would you actually, would, would you A, travel to the United States at the end of August? Would you like plan for this or was this something where you just forget it? Same as I said with the New York marathon, like it just doesn't seem worth it to me. I like, I know that, I don't know, I get, I get the itch and I, I understand that, but I also like, you just see what, what this thing can, like what COVID can do to you. I had a, um, my, my next door neighbor, actually at my parents' place, I, I haven't been home in like three months now, but I was talking to them on the phone and my mom was telling me that our, our next door neighbors actually got COVID. Um, the entire family did because they just, they didn't see them for a month. They just like never left the house, shades down, nothing. Uh, and then finally after a month, they started to emerge and, and had, had recuperated from it. Um, and apparently there's, it's a husband, wife, and then two sons and the wife and the two sons were fine. But my mom was talking to the husband and um, he was, she said, well, you know, at least you should have hopefully some immunity to it now and you won't get it again. And he looked at her and he said, if I got it again, I don't think I'd make it. Wow. So that kind of makes me realize how, how serious this thing is. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if I would do it. I think with me where I am right now, I'm on PEI. There are no COVID cases. And even when I moved to, to Toronto later in the summer, the cases are going down. Like, I think I just hate the idea of being the person to go somewhere where there is more, not that North Dakota is a hotbed for it, but the risk is a bit higher. I guess as long as the risk is high and as long, I guess, where if the risk is higher where I'm going than where I am, I'd be very hesitant to go because you know, maybe I'm not that afraid of catching it myself. I'm younger, but I don't know. I, I it would be hard to live with the fact of being someone with the fact of, of giving it to someone that I live with or that I see who could be more susceptible to it. I don't know. It, it'd be risky. I don't think I would. Also, there's no there's I'm sorry for the, the Fargo Marathon, but there's not much notoriety to it. I guess it, it wouldn't like be the end of the world if I missed it. It's not like New York. It's, it's got notoriety now. It's now the race that is going to allegedly happen before any other race. Uh, yeah, there you go. I, I, I think this is stupid. 
and I think it's arrogant and selfish. And I don't care if there are zero cases in August in the entire state of North of North Dakota. You're basically this. It's a this is a recreational event, guys. It's it's supposed to be for fun. I don't understand how anybody would want to go do this. And mm-hmm. um, it's totally irresponsible. All of it. The whole thing is irresponsible. Uh, I think it's ridiculous. But and I think that, like for me, I just. I wouldn't go into an airport right now. That's the problem. The air, like these, these, these areas where you have, you know, high transit of thousands of people a day, like in an international airport, um, like sure. The Fargo international airport doesn't get a whole lot of foot traffic. Um, but the Toronto international airport, or maybe there's, or maybe you have to do, Maybe a lot of people flying have to do, uh, uh, you know, a stopover in Chicago or something like that. I mean, that's like a huge risk. And anyway, so sorry, Fargo, I won't be showing up at your race. Uh, you probably don't want me to show up anyway. But all right, on to the next topic. We're not getting a sponsorship. <laughs> <laughs> topic number four. Galen Rupp, our masked hero, goes viral. Uh, this week. Alex, tell us why uh, people who don't know who Galen Rupp is was talk, were talking about Galen Rupp a hell, a hell of a lot this week on social media. Uh, so this fo- there's a photo that circulated of Rupp that I think dates from nine years ago of him wearing the now infamous Nike Oregon Project singlet and then a matching mask like um for him it was for his allergies for pollen but it kind of has the same shape of a mask that one would wear for COVID-19 and he was getting applause and being lauded by by people on Facebook and saying things like hey this guy's an Olympic marathoner and he can wear a mask what are you guys doing complaining about about how it's hard, it makes it hard to breathe but I think the ironic thing is that people don't a lot of people don't know who Galen Rupp is or what his place is in the sport and that he probably wore that mask likely just to stop from breathing moistly uh, clenbuterol on his on his uh, on his his opponents whoa whoa hey 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 now hey we did we we have no proof that galen rupp has ever doped you're right we don't have proof uh so andrew why is this this choice of you of of leveraging galen rupp as a uh a, a uh, a lesson or as uh, uh, elevating him as a hero for our times, uh, a problematic one. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> this, it should definitely be, be stated that I think the three of us are, are a little cynical about him as, <laughs> as well as, I mean, as a lot of people in the, the running community are, well, maybe some, I think there's some runners in the States who love him. I was reading a, a Sidious article about, a guy wrote about how when Ruff was wearing the the nose strips, mm. um, he was in high school and he saw him doing that. So he started wearing the nose strips to run as well. So so he has a, a fan base. But then the, the whole article was about how, how ridiculous the mask looked. And that was from like 2014 or something like that. But, but the reason, like when you put it in context, the reason it, it looks a little sketchy is because Galen Rupp was the, the protege of uh, Alberto Salazar, who, who was just banned for, for doping. And while there's, there's never, it's never been proven that Rupp has doped and he's been tested many times, so, so we got to give him that credit. 
it's it just looks a little sketchy being being related to that organization um especially when Rupp was very much so Salazar's like like his adopted son um and we know what Salazar does to his sons because he, he used both his sons to test stuff on so you have to assume I mean maybe it's a stretch but but you kind of assume that he was doing some of that stuff to to eventually use on Galen to kind of help improve his his performance seeing how far he could push the boundaries um and the mask while it may have been for pollen like he said it, it does look a little sketchy and might have been covering something else up but we can't officially say that it makes him look like an evil villain it, I don't, it's it awesome makes him look like bane bane from batman <laughs> <laughs> just without the muscles <laughs> skinny bane yeah yeah it's the u2 sports mask is what it's called i found the the site of the company that that sells them it's a, a dusk mask for uh for sports for performance uh, any sport. relation to is that named after the band u2 or anything no no it's it's not it's got it, and just as is odd and cheesy but no not this not the same at all as the band but um i always kind of thought that that 2011 uh, race, I believe it was the U.S. Championships, uh, when he wore the mask. I always kind of thought that was a little bit of like, um, like a Salazar Salazar head games kind of move. Like Salazar always had his athletes doing like really weird stuff, and some of it I think was kind of psychological warfare. And I always thought it was like this strange flex by by Rapp where he's like, I can wear a mask and still beat all of you. So, and, and, you know, obviously there's the question marks about uh, maybe other reasons why he was wearing the mask. Perhaps he was, you know, it was an excuse for something that was in the blood at the time, but um, well, yeah, that, that we will not know, but we'll, we'll never know about that. But yeah, I, I think it's just like totally uh, an, an, an awkward thing to be floating around this week. And Obviously, wearing a mask, particularly in the United States, has become like a very weaponized, very political hot button issue. Uh, and I, I commend the message of like, get over yourself, wear a mask. But super awkward that they selected this guy to be uh, the visual for it. Yeah. And we're on to our final topic. Mo Farah is coming back to the track for the first time since 2017. Uh, in September, he is committed to running an unusual race in Belgium, of all places. Uh, Andrew, tell us a little bit about what the hour on the track record is. Yeah, yeah, Sir Mo going after another record. Um it's pretty pretty self-explanatory from the name. He's he's literally just running for an hour on the track and seeing how far he can go. Um, which maybe this is a hot take for for some marathon runners out there. But as an 800 meter former 800 meter runner, that sounds like one of the most boring things you could do to me. But hey, that's just my opinion. Um, so right now the the record is held by uh, Haley Geber Selassie, uh, the great one. It was set in 2007, uh, and he ran 21.2 kilometers in an hour. Um, 
So, you know, it's, it'd be cool. I, I'd watch it. But right now it kind of feels like Mo is just kind of picking around the edges, like just trying to ease his way back into the running world, but still create some hype, like kind of pick records that no one really cares about, but still like to a layman kind of make him look good. Um, I don't really know how I feel about this. Uh, Alex, he had previously announced that he was going to come back to the track for the Olympics, if I'm not mistaken, correct? Yeah, so the hype around Farah for this year was supposed to be his showdown against uh, Joshua Cheptegei of Uganda, who was on fire. Well, I think Cheptegei, I think, had broken the 10K road world record, and he was in really good shape. And I think uh, is only 30, 23 years old, so it was going to be kind of like a David versus Goliath thing. But yeah, I, I kind of agree with Andrew. It kind of seems like Farah is just trying to pick and choose something that's gonna that that's gonna create some hype, but that in reality is kind of weak. So we got to remember that the half marathon world record, which is around the same uh, well time distance, is is fifty eight oh one by Jeffrey Camor. Or so say you put this guy and make him run for an hour straight on the track, you'd likely get him to run about. I don't know. What can you run in, in, in those two extra minutes to make an hour, likely around six, 700 meters? So in, in reality, if you'd have a record beating Cam Warrior on the track and Mo beating the record, Cam Warrior would actually lap the guy. So <laughs> I don't know. I think it'd be, I think it, it, it it's going to be kind of fun to watch and see what happens. Um, the mental aspect, I think, is is pretty interesting. You know, I think it's different trying to run a fast half marathon on the road versus on the track. Like it's a huge mental endeavor to do so. Um, but if, if he does beat it, I don't think, I don't think that means that he's in the best shape of his life or anything. Maybe Gebra Selassie has the record and that's a big name, but then again, how many times have people tried to, to run an hour on the track? I think you said, Michael, you saw some big names get after it. Yeah, I, I remember being in Portland for a, a track meet several years ago and I want to say like five years ago, six years ago. And I and one of the like it was Moses Mosop or Macau, one of those one of those guys who kind of had the, the the marathon world record for a minute a, a bunch of years ago went after the hour on the track record and came up short. I think ran like 20 kilometers uh, or 20 and change, something like that. And just remember it was like an evening race uh, taking it in. It's kind of a weird event because you can do it in one of a number of ways. You can have some pacers to kind of take you out and get you a good rhythm. And then you're left on your own for the last chunk, or you can make it sort of competitive, which I think is more compelling. Um, be awesome. If chapter guy showed up, I, I doubt that Pharaoh would agree <laughs> to that, of course, but um that would make it a more compelling event uh, to seeing people, seeing athletes push each other. Um, I just pulled up the half marathon world record progression just because I was curious. Uh, Sammy Wanjiru, the great and uh, uh, and late Sammy Wanjiru, uh, set the half marathon world record in 2007, the same year that uh, Gabriel Selassie ran this hour on the track record. It, the world record at that point stood at 58 uh, 58, 53. So he had just pulled the half marathon world record time under 59 minutes for the first time ever. Um, and actually the progression on the half marathon has not been as, as steep as, as the marathon has been. It's only gone down, uh, you know, around 52 seconds over the last 
13 years time. Uh, but even then, when Jeru's 58, 53 is a much, it's a more impressive time than, than Gabriel Selassie's distance in an hour on the track. So, and in theory, guys, correct me if I'm wrong, Andrew, but you know, even, even for a really long distance, as boring as it is, the track should be faster, right? You'd think so. Um, I mean, if you're, I assume they'd wear spikes for it. And, and if you have pacers and stuff and you don't have to worry about any potential hills, like on a, a half marathon course. So you'd think they'd be able to run faster, but I also wonder whether there is a, a bit of a mental aspect to it, whether it's, it's harder to hold on when you're just running 400 meter laps. Here's some armchair physiology. I wonder if turning for this long of a time kind of weakens or, or at least tires some of your muscles and gets you to run less efficiently by the end. Like think of running a 5k on the track by oh, the end, brutal. you're kind of losing form because you're, you're, you're always turning the same direction. I think of doing that for an hour. I don't know. Like maybe I'd rather take the hills. I wonder if that would slow you down by the end. So the hour on the track is more known in the cycling world. It's something that's done on an indoor track in the cycling world. Uh, I think a little bit more often than, than in the running world. Uh, and and it's, I think, covered with more interest than in the running world. Is this going to be like, are you guys going to watch this? Is this compelling? Like, I I, I do believe in the 10,000 meter race as a race. I, although, hot take, I think if you're going to scratch some track race, some track and field events from the Olympics, maybe that's one that gets cut. But uh, I, um, although I don't know how much I want to stand on that that take and as i'm thinking about it um but it's it's hard to sell the ten thousand meters i know like in in 2016 in rio i remember the five and the ten thousand meters they're cutting back and forth uh for huge chunks to other events because quite frankly like if you're not a track total track head you're not going to watch a 20 however many minute 28 minute 27 minute race uh in complete you know in total so like how are you gonna how are you gonna market an hour on the track for people to watch i don't know yeah i feel like that's not the goal i feel like this is for mo farah to appear great again to his legion of followers i i i don't think there's i'm guessing there's not a huge marketing goal for that because yeah i mean see i love watching track i and i watch i watch the 10k the full 10k but I don't even know if I can get myself to watch Mo go for an hour on the track because there are also kind of like no stakes because no one like at least the 10K in the Olympics is is the Olympic 10K and the winner is the Olympic champ. And this time it's like no one really cares who has the record at the end of the day. See, I'd never even heard of the record until a couple of days ago. It's a good sign for Mo Farah, Andrew, if he runs what? Oh, if he runs over 21.5, 21 point, if he runs over 21.4, let's say. Yeah. Something like that. All right, guys. Uh, that's our five stories for the week. I'm so happy we had five things to talk about. Um, <laughs> uh, hopefully we'll have five more things to talk about next week. Make sure to subscribe to our podcast at the usual uh, places, Apple podcasts, Google podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, if it plays podcasts, we are probably on it. 
very appreciated if you do subscribe there. It's a great place for you to get it automatically. And of course, subscribe to our newsletter, thexc.substack.com. Uh, we will be we will be migrating. We will be moving somewhere in the near future. All sorts of exciting things to talk about. Uh, I'm like, I'm, I want to like just spoil it right now and tell our listeners exactly what we've been up to. No, 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 I won't do it. I won't do it. <laughs> uh, you'll discover in due time, particularly if you subscribe. So please do. Uh, and if you think of somebody who would enjoy this sort of stuff, on a regular basis uh, we promise we won't spam you too often with content uh, try to calibrate it and get it just right uh, but please forward our newsletter to a friend uh, or suggest that they subscribe and you can also follow us on the usual social channels at the xcorg xcorg as alex likes to call it um yeah we're on instagram twitter uh facebook we will be getting, be getting more active with that, obviously, in the coming weeks as more happens as well.